Support for the Capital Connection comes from New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities with Public Schools Unite Us initiative and United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPinfo.org. It's the Capital Connection. Hi, I'm David Gustina. Joining us this week, she's back. New York State Assembly Majority Leader Crystal Peoples-Stoke. She's a Democrat and serves Buffalo's 141st Assembly District. Welcome back, Majority Leader Crystal Peoples-Stokes. Well, thank you, David. What a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you. Your candor is so much appreciated. You're willing to talk about the issues, get down in there, and you're very thoughtful. So I want to start with an issue that requires a great deal of thought, especially on the federal level, but certainly on the state level. And the governor seems to be doing just that. We're learning that when it comes to migrants, asylum seekers in New York, that the governor has approved temporary government jobs. Governor Hochul eyeing 4,000 entry-level posts that are currently unfilled within state agencies. That memo was attained by New York One. Jobs won't be limited to just migrants and officials are Billing it as a win-win, Hochul says there's around 40,000 open positions, according to submissions by private businesses to the State Department of Labor. Playing a little bit of a devil's advocate, I can tell you I've already heard from someone on the other side of the aisle this morning that this is a terrible idea. And what could go wrong was what I heard. (laughs) Well, I imagine when you're in opposition, you always have to come up with a reason why things should not be done. But, you know, the fact of the matter is these people are here. If they're capable of working and there are jobs that are available, they should be employed. When they're employed, then we won't be in a position where we would have to support them with government services. So I I think it's a win-win. We're probably at our lowest unemployment rate in decades, not just in New York State, but nationally. So clearly some things are going right in terms of the average citizen's opportunity to be employed. And if there are still openings that need to be filled, and the business community is well aware of this, you know, it's like the apples are meeting the apples. Let's make this happen. Well, the governor, to your point, says that she's hearing from all over the state. Hey, I need workers over here to do this. Send me some of those migrants. Well, you know, I I recently read an article. I'm not sure where I read it at, David, but I want to say it was either in, I think it was in Forbes or some sort of business newsletter. And it was basically saying that we used to think that China imported most goods to America. Now, in fact, it's not China. It's Mexico, then China, then Canada where we're getting most of our products from. And so if we work towards flipping that around that we won't have to import so many things, then perhaps we won't need migrants to do jobs that we cannot find other people to do. But right now, we're still importing much of what we need, and somebody has to do the work. And so I'm clear that there's always going to be opposition, and quite honestly, we live in a country where, you know, everybody has a right to speak. So... Yeah, and no matter what the governor does on the state level, the federal government has to deal with this problem directly, don't they? Well, you know what? We've been waiting for the federal government to deal with immigration problems for, what, 30 years, 40 years? And they haven't. So at some point, 
states are going to have to move to protect themselves and to protect their taxpayers. And I see this as a move on the governor's part to try and do that. What about the use of the rainy day fund? She's proposed $2.4 billion in support of the strain here with migrants, especially New York City. I talked to the state controller, Tom DiNapoli, a fellow Democrat. While he understood it was an emergency, he did question and wanted to see an emergency defined more specifically. So he didn't seem to necessarily like the idea that you use the rainy day fund for that. But what do you make of that? Well, you know what? Rainy day funds are like your savings account. And I don't think you should be using that frivolously for anything. I think you should be trying to hold on to that because you never know when you need it. That's the reason why you have it. And I'm not so sure if this is the best use for that. I do understand, you know, what she's trying to do, and particularly as it relates to helping New York City, who uh, in many ways I think they need to rethink how they accept people. Um, it's, it's a known fact out in the world. If you come to New York, they'll just take care of you. Well, that cannot be a known fact forever <laughs> because it's not going to be sustainable. How long are we? Go- how long are rainy days, you know, resources going to last? If we use them for people coming here simply because they know they'll take care of you as opposed to coming because, you know, there's some real dire issue in the country where they are or they're suffering, uh, you know, really bad issues with, with you know, crime and uh, all sorts of things that make them need to go somewhere to be safe. I don't think that's those are the only people that are coming now. People are coming to New York because it's a well-known fact that you can come and it will take care of you. That's not a good message to have out there. It's not sustainable. And so I, you know, while I see that she is using rainy day funds, I personally would rather not see that happen. I'd rather see them stay where they are because we never know when we need them. As a matter of fact, we've had a recent, um, I want to say at least $4 billion climate issues that we've had to deal with as a state. And so you don't know what's going to happen. So I, I, I'm concerned about using rainy day resources. Well, you brought up climate, State Assembly Majority Leader Crystal Peoples-Stokes. So let me just go there for a second, because I recently spoke with the minority leader in the State Assembly, Will Barclay. And every time I bring up climate change, he goes on a sort of sideline conversation about how New York can't do enough to reduce emissions, and so we shouldn't be doing anything. There are other states. And then I finally said, wait, 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 wait. We've got buildings collapsing on the Amtrak tracks. We've got flooding like we've never seen before. We're going to need levees to balance the water down in New York City as sea level rises. Can't the Democrats and Republicans agree, no matter what you call it, that we need to deal with the infrastructure? I mean, in the end, it's hard hats on the ground, isn't it? It certainly is hard hats on the ground. That means people are working and protecting us. Um, So I... With all due respect to my colleague, I I understand what he's saying because climate change is not just a New York State issue. It's a national issue. In fact, it's a world issue. But at the same time, our duty is to protect New Yorkers. That's what we're here for. So we have to figure out ways that we can do that. And uh, I think some of those ways have already been proposed. I actually would at some point like to see the Superfund-like bill that's out there for fossil fuel industry to help us pay for some of this stuff. Uh, They're the ones that are, you know, wreaking in profits through their businesses, and they should be willing to help us take care of our people once their product negatively impacts the, the climate in a way that puts people in danger.
Yeah, and in many ways, like General Electric and the PCB and dredging the Hudson River issue, shouldn't many of these companies be forced to clean up their mess as well? They absolutely should be. Um, you know, we all do remember the federal super fund. That's how we got funds to clean up a lot of the past issues. And I think we have to look towards that direction for the future as well. Now let's deal with an issue that has had a stigma for many, 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 many years, and that is slowly dissipating, I think. And you see that directly addressed in the governor's budget proposal. The issue is mental health. There is a lot of folks suffering mental health problems, and I just saw a survey of young people that says the majority are disillusioned partly because of all the problems in the world, including climate change. You know, we've had a pandemic that's impacted everyone, including young people, schools. We have gun violence in our cities. We have all sorts of issues. And we need to properly deal with a legitimate issue, people's mental health. We do need to deal with that. So I am totally with the governor on adding additional resources for that, not just in the not-for-profit community, but in directly in our schools. There is no question that people are living with a lot of trauma. And when you live with trauma, you eventually are going to impact the way your thought process and the quality of your life. And so we don't help people get fixed. Um, More people are going to get hurt. Hurt people hurt other people. And there's a lot of reasons why they're hurt. You just named them all off. Um, But we still have to fix it. Because we've got to live in a society where, where people are not worried whether they get on a subway, somebody's going to push them. Or whether they go to the corner store, somebody's going to try to hurt them or take something from them. And very often, you know, people who are doing these things are not necessarily criminals, but they're literally out of their mind. They have mental problems that something is telling them to do something that's not right. And that could be fixed. Much like a broken leg can be fixed, a broken spirit can be fixed, too. But it is going to call for some real severe care. And care is going to call for resources. And so I'm glad that the governor understands that. And I'm hoping that throughout our um, legislative negotiation process that we will maintain some level of keeping that in place. Um, By the way, I, I know my colleagues and I know the vast majority of us feel really strongly about taking care of mental health issues. Yeah, there are just so many factors out there. Consider alcoholism and its impact on families, domestic violence. You know, we have people who are suffering from schizophrenia and other mental problems, and all of that needs to be assessed. And especially in the schools, we we need to help children if they're suffering. We do need to help. We need to help everybody if they're suffering. But if we don't start with our children, then we're not creating good citizens who are able to contribute to our communities as adults. And so we do have to do that. And again, I think the governor has made a good call on adding mental health dollars to the public school system. What do you make, Majority Leader People's Stokes, of the governor's decision to end Hold Harmless in her budget proposal? You know, this is where it was automatic. Every school district would get more money the next year. She's identified the fact that, you know, some school districts are doing much better than others. We know, for example, at the base of all this is that the way you raise the money for the schools is through the property tax which, you know, is completely unequal when you consider communities with lower income and less home ownership. You can see why there's an equity in the schools, but it seems like if we're reading the tea leaves, this could be one of the big fights. Hold harmless. Yeah, that's going to be a bit of a challenge, David. I'm glad you both recognized that and brought it up. And it's going to be something to watch because, well, 
people may, particularly when they're in conversation with you, say, yes, I support equity. Everybody should get the same thing or the same opportunity. But when it comes down to it, how you spend the resources, that conversation may change because people will be like, oh, I can't lose anything in my district. But, you know, if you look at the scores that are coming out of some of our public school systems, clearly there is a need to do more where children are doing the worst at. And how can you do more for them if you have to give the districts that are doing very well either the same amount that they already had or more? How do you ever get to equity? I mean, it's not, it's, and it's not like, excuse me, Majority Leader, it's not like you can't follow that money. You know how much the tax base is. You can find those dollars and see where the richer districts are, like a Long Island versus a Harlem district or a Brooklyn district. Yeah, it's easy to see that, but what's difficult is to change that dynamic. That's right. difficult because people are not going to want to lose anything. Even though their schools, their children, and their communities are doing well, it's not like they're going to care about East Brooklyn when their districts are doing well. They may say they do, but when it comes time to sharing the resources, that conversation changes. Uh, Honestly, I don't know how to fix that. I do think we have to keep talking about it because if we really want to get an opportunity where we spend less tax dollars investing in people's lives as adults and or children, we have to invest in it early in education to make sure that we're raising through our public education system the most qualified person to be a contributing citizen. In order to do that, you really have to be able to know how to think, and you have to be able to know how to discern, and you have to learn how we're going to be comfortable working at to take care of yourself. All these things, they build character, but it's also academics. And if we're not getting it in our public school systems now, then we are going to, on the other end, pay for it as adults. because. People are not going to be able to live on their own. You're going to see more homelessness. You're going to see people who cannot keep a job. You're going to see people who have challenges in their relationships and challenges in their everyday life in the community because we haven't prepared them to go out and be responsible contributing adults. And, I mean, I know it's easy enough to say it's all the parents' responsibility, but it's not all the parents' responsibility. It's society's responsibility. And if we do it right... We won't have a problem with putting the most resources where they need to be now, because in the long run, it'll cost us less money as taxpayers. And that's it, isn't it? I find in life there's two ways to think, long term and short term. And when you think short term, that's usually for your own personal benefit versus long term, for example, what you're saying for societal benefit. Exactly right. I mean, we're supposed to all be in this together. We are all in this together. But very often we're way too divided to get the best result. Well, I'm going to ask you this about education, and I'm going to say, are we, are we focusing on the wrong thing, for example, hold harmless, when we shouldn't be funding the schools at all through the property tax? Rather, why don't we fund the schools out of the general fund? Well, that's a, very, that's a, that's a longer conversation, and it's going to call for some really kind of in-depth planning, strategic planning. And... Honestly, David, if I'm honest and fair, I don't know that the state education department has the capacity to come up with a strategy to figure out how do we fund all education out of the general fund, which because they are the educators, you would want to lean on them for that responsibility. I'm not so sure that's possible. 
Okay. Well, let's go to an area that the governor has been trying since the last session. She wasn't able to get it through. But that's housing and affordable housing in the state. She's coming at it again this session. What do you think? Will we be able to see some movement here? People need an affordable place to live. Well, I hope so, because people do need an affordable place to live. I think that the governor failed the last time is because she wanted to somehow have state make zoning decisions for local governments. And I, I don't think that that uh, went over well. As a matter of fact, it, it doesn't vote well for me. I think, you know, local governments should have the ability to decide what their zoning rules and laws are. But I also think that, you know, somehow we have to control the market on the increasing cost of rent. It's going up way too fast. And I don't know how you necessarily control the market without putting more of the product in the marketplace. And so that is actually building new housing, and we have to build new housing. So this idea of just straight building on government land I can support that, but sometimes government land is not always on a transit-oriented site, location. So you could build all this affordable housing, then then how would people get to work if it's not, you know what I'm saying, in an area that has the availability of transportation? So there's a lot of things to be worked out here, but that's a problem that has to be solved. And I don't think we could pass another budget without meeting the needs of affordable housing. Well, and isn't there something that underlines all of this? I'll I'll present it this way to you, Assembly Majority Leader People Stokes, that the minimum wage has just gone up this year. We've seen an uptick in that. And yet still so many people trying to live off a minimum wage who have children or trying to take care of a family, one, two, three jobs, and still it's not enough to comfortably afford anything. Well, there are a lot of people who don't, in a lot of other states who make a lot less, but the cost of living is not as high in those states either. So somehow we're going to have to balance what people can afford to pay for housing. Not everyone is interested in being a homeowner. Some people don't mind being a renter. But I think renting should be affordable, but you should also have an opportunity, particularly if we're talking about, you know, buildings that are developed by wealthy developers who for the next 40 years will be making a profit from this rent. It seems like there should be some sort of equitable way that the people who live there that are good tenants and pay on time, take care of the property, they should have some benefits there as well other than just a place to live. So I don't know how that looks in terms of of them being able to get some equity out of a place that they've lived in for 30 years. But I think these are the kind of things that we need to help at some point marry each other so that it's not just developers that are reaping the benefits of new developments, but it's also the people who live there. Yeah. And then what about the people who leave the state? We get a lot of criticism from the Republican side of the aisle in the state legislature that the Democrats are responsible for, quote, out-migration. The costs and fees and taxes are so high in New York State, you're forcing businesses to leave. Even on the lower end of the spectrum, some people can't afford, so they leave to other places. I mean, do they have a valid argument? Well, I think they have an argument they want to talk weather. I mean, I think people leave for better weather, clearly. (laughs) I mean, I personally know quite a few people who have. And by the way, if we get another winter like we had in 22, I might be leaving for better weather. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I know people who have moved and came back because they couldn't get services for their autistic children. So, you know, I'm just not going to say that people leave for that reason. I do know for a fact, though, that some black people will move to other states because it's easier to be in business than it is here in New York State. Really? So, How yes. come? How come, Crystal People Stokes? How come they say that? 
Well, they, they say that because it's so challenging to get through the Empire State Development process for getting an MWBE certification. In some places, you don't need MWB certification to be in business. You have a good business idea, you get your business up and going, you run and you go. There are more black people that have businesses in Texas than there are in New York. Is there any effort to change those rules? We've been trying. <laughs> We've been trying. I uh, hope to have a conversation with the superintendent or the commissioner, hope sometime soon, just to talk a little bit more about it. I know my colleague, Rodney Bishah, has been looking at some issues around that. But I have people, you know, who live in my district that have been trying to get certified for two years, and they're still not certified yet. So if you, in order to be in business, you need to be certified in New York State, particularly as it relates to the development community, and you can't get certified, then maybe you go somewhere where you don't need certification and manage it, run your business. And people do that. So I wouldn't say that it's all just as it's outlined by my uh, colleagues on the other side of the aisle. There are, there are numerous issues why people leave. Families are in other places. They're retired. They don't want to have to cut the grass anymore. So they move somewhere where somebody else will cut the grass. They don't want to have to shove. There's a lot of reasons why people move. But in fact, if you look at the numbers of people who are starting small businesses in New York, that has increased. So maybe some larger businesses have moved on, but there are other businesses that are being set up. So I, I don't agree with their argument at all. And by the way, I'm not the person that says we should tax everybody all the time. I think at some point we need to look at how do we figure out how to provide services in this government without consistently increasing taxes. Right, and look for efficiencies. I know the state controller Tom DiNapoli, said he sent out report after report about how to work efficiencies into the cost of Medicaid and that none of those suggestions ever get acted upon. Well, you know, I'm really a little disappointed in myself. I'll have to go backwards and look at what, they, what he suggests those efficiencies are because we do need to figure out how to control that cost. That's great. Well, listen, you have been at the forefront of legalized cannabis in the state. We talked about over and over again, you and I, the slow rollout, your understanding, it takes a while to get going. Then we had lawsuits. Now we're seeing the, the shops being set up. But now another lawsuit. NY Cannabis Firm claims white male owners faced racial and gender discrimination. And there's a lawsuit that their white male applicants were discriminated against based on race and gender. But the whole point was to give those who had been hurt by the laws in the beginning this equity portion to get the crack at the first licenses. Give us a sense of what's happening with the industry now and this, and your reaction to this suit. Well, my first reaction to the suit is, is there are at least three white-owned legal dispensaries in the Western New York community, at least three. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe we should talk to these gentlemen about have they been discriminated against? They have not been discriminated against. They met the criteria to be a car licensee, and now they're licensed and in business, and they're doing very well. So I think that lawsuit is frivolous, and to use a quote that was mentioned in an article in the Buffalo News by Damian Fagan, who is actually the chief equity officer for the Office of Cannabis Management, his quote was, the challenging social equity is an American tradition. And it actually, it is. It's an American tradition. Social equity and some sort of equalization for black people and people of color is always challenged in America. And so this is what we have to go through. It's a part of being American. I think a lot of the former president that's now running to be president again, a lot of his whole agenda is about keeping people in their place, 
if you will. So I, I, I know we got challenges with the cannabis industry. I'm waiting for someone to please explain to me why law enforcement, including district attorneys and everyone else, why they can't do something about these illegal stores that don't have a license to operate. Why they can't they help in shutting them down? I still, quite frankly, don't understand that. I think some of it has to do with they need to find a way to be able to criminalize people. Well, I would say that people who own 14 and 15 stores in New York City and sometimes more, they're criminals. They're literally stealing tax dollars from the state of New York, as well as stealing money from our ability to put 40% of the resources that are gained into investing in these communities that have been devastated by the war on drugs. And so they're setting us backwards with illegal stores. And we're never going to move forward with the legal business until we get more stores open and shut down the illegal ones. And so I am in communication, my staff and I, on a regular basis with the governor, as well as with our own PC people, to figure out how do we do that? How do we shut down these illegal stores when you can shut one one day and the next day it'll open up two blocks down the street? And the kind of money that they're making, you know, $10,000 in fines is nothing to them when you're making $5 million a week. So we got to figure out a better way to get them shut down, and we're working on that. Well, I just want to end with this, and that is we continue to see hate ratcheting up. The latest is a result of the Hamas-Israel war, but you are no stranger. We had a Buffalo mass shooting. We know about the history of this country and its treatment of African-Americans. And I just saw this. I don't know if you saw this. The Jackie Robinson statue was stolen in Wichita, Kansas, was broken off its moorings. They found the statue burned in a trash bin. Now, we don't know the motive of it, but it just makes me think of why can't we all just get along? Well, you know, there's a perfect example for someone who needs mental health counseling because something is wrong with a person who will take down a statue and burn it. I mean, there's something wrong with them mentally to do something like that. So we said it was in Kansas. I don't know how they're dealing with people with mental health issues, but I do know a lot of hate is about mental health. If people knew better, they would do better. And clearly, a lot of people don't know better. And a lot of people are spending a lot of time convincing them that they shouldn't know better, that there is something wrong with black people or there is something wrong with brown people. And there isn't. And no one's taking your job. There's plenty of jobs out there. If you want one, go get one. You know, you can't say anybody's taking jobs from you if you haven't gone to apply for it. We'll have to leave it there. Our guest has been New York State Assembly Majority Leader Crystal People-Stokes. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. I hope you will continue to come on the program and can't thank you enough for joining us. It will be my pleasure anytime. Thank you so much for having me. The Capital Connection is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. You can listen to The Capital Connection anytime at wamcpodcast.org or anywhere you get your podcast. And join us again next week at this same time for another political conversation. For The Capital Connection, I'm David Gustina. Support for The Capital Connection comes from New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities through the Public Schools Unite Us initiative. Mm-hmm.